Welcome to Prop Chat. We are here to talk about property, the ups, the downs, and how you can get started in property investing. And now, here's your host, Dave McGlashan. Hello and welcome to Prop Chat. I'm Dave McGlashan, your host, and I'm sitting here with Justin Kittle. How are you doing, Justin? Hi, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. So, Justin, I wanted to get you on the show to talk about tax structures, the the, the really important side that some people often neglect, I think. Yeah. And can we just start with who you are, where you come from, and what do you guys do here at Kittle Consulting? Yeah, so uh, thanks. Um, my name is Justin Kittle. I'm the Managing Director of Kittle Consulting. Uh, we are audit, tax, and accounting practice. Uh, predominantly in the property space, we help clients with structuring, uh, tax advice, and their general accounting and administration. Awesome. So I guess the first question is, where do you fit in a, an investor's team, and how do you support them, and what advice do you give most of your property investors? I'm definitely part of the power team uh, mm. on, on any uh, particular investment. Uh, what I do is I give them advice on what's the best structure in terms of tax, what's the best structure in terms of how best to claim for your expenditure and what you can claim. Uh, and ultimately, I give advice on whether your, your deals can be profitable or not. No, 100%. So look, as a coach, you're definitely one of the top of my list of who do I introduce people to because people need to have an understanding of what's going to be happening. And you can obviously have the consult the conversation with clients and with property investors on what what the journey is going to look like. And I assume the first question that most of the investors ask you is, what structure do I invest in and why? So if you look at most students who want to start with a buy, refurb, sell sort of strategy, what's your advice given? What's your advice generally to them? So my, my typical uh, advice is going to be very similar to, to any type of entrepreneurial advice I'd give. Um, uh, if you're going to look to invest in the long term, do the right foundations and set up a trust and set up a company so that you can buy your property. Um, if you're testing the market and it's your first deal, it might be too much administration to go through the process of setting up their trust and that company. So I'd advise perhaps on your first deal, you, you if you specifically if you're looking to just do a flip, do it in your personal capacity. Yeah. It's going to be the lowest uh, CGT rate that you've got. Um, yes, there are some intricacies in terms of what you can claim and what you can't claim for. But if it's just your first one, test the waters, uh, do it in your personal capacity. Just have a very good accountant that will tell you exactly what uh, you can claim. For. So, so my counter argument to that is generally a matter of risk, right? Um, property is a game where you can end up in a risky situation where you buy to sell and you end up holding it. And if you take that position where you're assuming the risk, then I'm, I would argue that a limited company is the better way to go. What are your thoughts there? No, definitely. I mean, your company is going to be your second tier in terms of uh, achieving your best and most efficient CGT rate. Mm. Um, I think you shared with us, it's really simple to set up a company. I think it'll take anywhere between one and three days with the CIPC. Um, Effectively, you'll be able to start transacting once you, start, you open a bank account. And even when you're doing your deal uh, and putting your offer to purchase, you can say that there's a suspensive condition that it'll be a, a company to be set up uh, once the transaction is approved. Yeah, 100%. So I think one of the other questions that I get a lot is when you when you look at a lot of our clients, they come through a journey of they've, they've come to our networking events, they've networked and they've decided they need to get further education or they need mentorship or coaching. How can we move those expenses into, A, if you invest in your personal capacity, what can we deduct over there? What can we claim over there? Or if we move it into a company, what can we claim in there? Okay. So the premise behind expenses and is, is purely based on the fact that you can claim for anything that generates an income. So technically, technically, you could claim all of your training in your personal capacity. 
clients do find it very difficult. SaaS does become difficult when they want you to justify that the training that you had uh, specifically relates to income. Um, it's no different between a, a trust uh, uh, in your individual capacity or your company, but it is a bit easier to process those transactions through a company or a trust uh, as a separate juristic mm. personality than yourself. So technically, it's a little bit easier to claim in a company or a trust. Uh, however, the premise and the rule uh, within the Income Tax Act is that you can claim for any expense that relates to generating an income. Yeah. And what other expenses could you could you claim in a limited company that's challenging to claim in a personal capacity? Obviously, training being one of them, transport. Yeah. Listen, I, I think anything you can put through, cell phone costs, uh, costs directly incurred in terms of you getting uh, that company uh, or that, that rental income or mm-hmm. the sale, uh, which, which includes probably um, advertising fees, um, uh, your your cost for your agency, etc. You you could include all of that in uh, within within in the structure of your company. And would that be deductible in your personal capacity as well or would it be slightly more challenging? It would be deductible. I think, listen, from directly related to the property sale, won't be an issue, all right? Um, if it's, for example, agents' fees, if it's, for yeah. example, advertising, it's really simple. Easy. I think it's more of, let's call it the fluffy costs, which are things like training, etc. Uh, those are mm. really important in terms of your understanding how best uh, to, to structure deals. Uh, but you will find in your personal capacity, it's slightly a little bit more difficult to, to justify to source. Yeah. Uh, they can be a little bit difficult, uh, as we know. And on the topic of training, there's obviously two major different separations. There's skills acquisition where you're acquiring a skill, and that's generally not very claimable from a tax perspective. Is that correct? Well, listen, I think, you know, it's subjective in, in with sources, uh, <laughs> from sources. Great when sources are subjective. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, remember the premise and, and the fundamental rule is that you can claim an expense, uh, any expense that relates to generating income. Mm. Developing a skill is an expense related to generating an income. So you, from that perspective, yeah. you definitely would be able to claim it if you went to tax court, for example. Um, but I mean, you know, do you want to really go the, to, through that process? Uh, I think that's really the basis of this discussion is whether you want to really go through the long process uh, of to, to try and get your money out of uh, SARS in court. Yeah. Which uh, all comes yeah. out to how much did you spend on your training. Correct. <laughs> okay. And then obviously we look at growing beyond that. At what point do would you advise clients to start considering trust structures um, and in what in what way do we generally want to structure trusts? Yeah, typically, I, I think it's after your first deal. You know, I think like we, we people within that come to the network uh, typically are, are people that just want to get into property and, and they want to f- um, find their feet and, and dip their toes in the water. Um, I think after your first deal, when you understand really what you want to do in terms of your, your property investment uh, um, uh, plans and future vision of what you want to do in terms of property, you need to decide on how best to structure it. The long-term point of view is always to have a trust set up. Uh, mm. A trust protects your assets because if you're going to hold assets until death, etc., um, then ideally a trust protects those assets. Okay. Yeah. Ideally, the best structure that you would have is that you have a trust which owns a company because yes. largely we must remember that a trust still attracts 45% tax uh, irrespective. So your company, you are 28%, so there's lots of, of uh, leeway in terms of tax efficiency between the two entities. So in short, uh, have a trust structure, uh, uh, implement a company, even you, if you have more than one company underneath the trust, yeah. you can do so. Uh, but I, I would say, listen, after your first one, after you've kind of found your 
feet on what you want to do, then start setting the right foundation going forward. Because the problem that you have is, uh, and you mentioned the risk as well, is that once once you can't sell a property in your personal capacity, it becomes very expensive for you to try and now sell your, your company out of your personal name into mm. a trust because it attracts transfer duty, there's a CGT implication, etc. Yeah. Um, so, so get your foundation right really quickly uh, after your first deal. And so I was very conscious of the idea of people putting lots of properties into companies and the moving companies as opposed to paying transfer duties on each property. Exactly. Which is, yeah, it's always a sensitive space. Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so then when you look at trusts, obviously the ideal we would start with a single trust, which would earn our share companies. Um, expanding beyond that, we can look at being more protective of our assets and get a family trust in place. Um, any advice on when that needs to happen, sooner rather than later? No, I, I think sooner is always better. Uh, mm. It's uh, get get your 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 structures right from day one. Um, it it might be a little bit expensive, but at least you know you're protected for the future. Um, trust typically aren't expensive to set up. Um, you've obviously got to get the right uh, lawyer who's going to be able to assist you, and I'm sure we've got enough people in our network that will be able to do that. Uh, but get your, your structuring rights from day one, uh, then it's gonna you'll avoid long-term costs because we don't know what will happen, guys. Mm. I think the reality is that you could walk out of the store uh, and get hit by yeah. a car, uh, and that affects uh, your, your family's future at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think people always think about trust from an inheritance perspective, but that it does have a benefit too, even if you're living and in a, in able to do documents and paperwork, and that's what happened to me in my personal capacity. Yeah. Is I had to take control of a family trust because my father could not administer that trust anymore. Yeah. Whereas if it was in if all assets is in his personal name, then it's a completely different nightmare. Agreed. So yeah, so 100%, I agree with you there that the sooner you can do it, the better, but bearing in mind there is an admin cost to having trusts and running trusts. Um, talk to me about the friction of getting money out of trusts into your personal capacity. Historically, we could just practically move everything, have uh, loan accounts with all the trustees and beneficiaries and as much as we wanted. But last year, the regulation came down that we had to now start earning interest on those loans. Yeah, correct. So, so I think the reality is that... Um if you're going to try and just get any type of distribution uh, that isn't purely based on, on you being a beneficiary. So if you want to take, for example, loans, etc., there's going to be a tax implication. So if you get distributions, after-tax distributions from yeah, a trust, is, then it's tax-free. Which is essentially the trust making exactly. an income. Correct. So I think that the, the, the difficulty that you've got with uh, within a trust structure is that, firstly, you've already been taxed at 45% uh, for any type of income that's, that's generated in the trust. Ideally, what you could do is that you could have uh, most of your, your income generated in the company level. But yes, again, there is some type of uh, tax that will be associated to whether it's dividend or mm. your salary. So you know, there's no quick win, in all honesty, to get a distribution out of a tax, uh, out of a trust. Um, but the reality is that you've just got to be smart in terms of how you do yeah. your structuring so that you can get the, the best result. And I think that's the benefit of looking at the structure is you've got flexibility, right? Because you can move your incomes from the company into the trust or from a company into another company and then distribute in shares or in distributions or whatever you want. And there's, you, it gives you options when you've got this sort of structure in place. Exactly. I think what you must be very mindful of is that nine out of 10 of us go to the bank uh, when we're going to do st uh, financial structuring uh, for different deals. And if you're going to do lots of shifting of income into different entities, 
it becomes difficult for you to paint your picture that that you can pass the affordability test to the bank. Yeah. Um, because the reality is that that's ultimately what the bank is looking for, security and affordability. Hmm. So I think be mindful of just passing through revenues into different structures. Um, try and figure out exactly what's going to be the core part of your business. You might want to say, listen, I've got an operating entity that will keep all of my, my rental. I might have a company that will own the asset um, in terms mm. of your structuring. It becomes a little bit easier to manage than having multiple um, multiple places or multiple juristic personalities with your income. Yeah, and that's, that's definitely one thing I've recognized in my portfolio in the past is that, A, I need to make sure I'm earning a decent income in my personal capacity because for the first few years of your investing journey, you have to sign a personal surety. But now, obviously, I'm trying to get to the point where my trading company has its own profits and margins. And yes, you have to pay tax on profits and margins. But if you're paying tax, that means that in two, three years of track record, your company can then stand surety on its own. And even if you have company A standing surety for company B, that is viable. Nail on the head. And I think, you know, lots of people walk into these offices and they ask, how, how can I avoid tax? <laughs> That's uh, my next question. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the harsh reality is that there's always a consequence. Uh, the consequence of trying to drive, drive, through, drive through lots of expenses uh, in your company is that you just don't look bankable from, a, from the bank's mm. perspective um, or a, a po- any possible financier. So I, I think that's the reality of, of, um, of trying to drive lots of expenditure through your companies. Uh, and, and making your picture look completely dismal for sources' perspective is that it affects you when you want to go and get money from the bankers or your financiers. Yeah, and that's, I think fundamentally that's one of the, the, that was part of my final question. It's I don't want to pay tax. And yeah. if you want to make money, you have to pay tax. Correct. It's part of it. Uh, we can try and be as tax efficient as possible, but if you're too tax efficient, then you're not bankable. You don't show profits. You can't sell your shares because your shares aren't worth anything. So it's it's definitely one of those things that from a long-term perspective, it's very difficult to know what to do every day. Yes. And yeah. yeah. So so my advice to, to people is that always make lots of profits, then it doesn't feel so bad when you pay <laughs> taxes. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. And Justin, just, uh, just in wrapping up, how can everyone get in contact with you? And let's, let's go over that. Um, well, uh, you can contact me on, on either email. Uh, it's justink at kettleconsulting.co.za or else visit our website. So it's www.kettleconsulting.co.za. You can also get us on, our, on my cell phone, 083-505-5210. Thanks. Very brave to put the cell phone number there. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I've got nobody hunting me down. <laughs> uh, and all the details will be in the show notes as well. Justin, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, man. Awesome. Cheers. cheers. Thank you for joining us on Prop Chat, brought to you by SA Property Investors Network. Make sure you visit their website, www.sapropertynetwork.com, where you will find ebooks, webinars, newsletters, training videos, property assessment tools, event tickets, and much more. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so you'll never miss a show. SA Property Investors Network, a place where property investors meet. Connect today, expand tomorrow.